Welcome to the Pokeboat Club podcast. I'm Chris Titan Nexus here with Corpsey Boy and Quaid Squish VGC. Tyler and Sticky are not able to be here this weekend. Uh, they're overworked, to put it lightly. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so I have Corpsey and Squish with me. Guys, go ahead. All right. Uh, I'm Quaid, also known as Squish VGC on Twitter and Discord. Uh, and I'm Corpsey Boy. I just go by Corpsey or Greg. Uh, and that's the same for Discord as well as Twitter, Corpsey Boy BGC. You both recently competed in your first VGC regionals. Uh, how was that for you guys, that experience and just going to the event and everything? Corpsey, if you want to go first. Sure. Uh, so for me, it was Sacramento and the level of anxiety for me and stress was pretty through the roof. I'm a naturally anxious person just anyway. So uh, I basically didn't sleep for like two days before the event. And so it was just like a whole blur and it was crazy. It was so exciting. It was so much fun. Um, I can't recommend going to a regional enough, honestly. Yeah. Uh, so my first regional was Toronto, which was just last weekend. Uh, and like I've so I've done plenty of online tours that have been somewhat larger, uh, but the experience of being at an in-person tournament that lasted all day, uh, it was just like completely different from anything that I've done before. Even like an equivalent, something like a Victory Road online tournament that is also nine rounds of Swiss. It's just so much different being in person rather than sitting at your computer. Uh, and it was a ton of fun. Um, I wouldn't say that I had as much anxiety leading up to it as I did like sort of the day of, but it didn't take long for the anxiety to go away and just to like get caught up in, you know, the celebration and all that. Yeah. It's, it's like an absolute, truly remarkable experience feeling like when you walk into that arena for like well convention center for like the first time and just see like everything decorated and stuff i know at naic when i walked in i just felt like an overwhelming amount of joy when i walked in all the music and all everything was up and everything it yep. was just so overwhelming um is there any advice you have for a new player wanting to go to their first regional? Um, so advice for somebody new going to their first regional, um, definitely make sure that you get some sleep beforehand. That was huge for me is not getting sleep. I feel like I could have done a lot better if I slept a little better, but um, also just make sure that like, when you travel, you have all your plans made well enough in advance to where like you don't show up somewhere and you don't have like a room or, you know, someplace to stay or like a, a, a travel situation figured out like with Ubers and Lyfts and stuff like that. Just make sure that you plan well enough in advance to where you're not leaving yourself stranded because a couple of friends out there at Sacramento kind of left themselves in a little bit of a hole and lucky enough, you know, everybody was able to come together and, you know, cover for them a little bit, but just don't, don't, don't be that guy, everybody. Make sure that you're prepared out there, that you have a hotel room, that you have plenty of, you know, income and everything else for like ubers and food and flights and everything else so squish 
Yeah. Um, I would say that it would probably be a good idea to make sure like at least a week in advance have to just have your team ready to go. Uh, you don't want to be making any huge changes like the night before the event that you're just like stressing yourself out over. Uh, just be comfortable with the team that you're bringing. And uh, as far as like uh, at the event, I think it's a good idea to try and like get in contact with a few people like online beforehand and then just like get to meet them like at the event. Uh, it just, it's helpful to go into it um, knowing somebody at the very least uh rather than just kind of like showing up alone and kind of like getting there and feeling a little lost if you have somebody that you're wanting to meet while you're there it gives you kind of a sense of direction and like it can kind of ground you a little bit yeah that's actually really good advice like don't listen to the pros on twitter when they say that they don't have a team like the day before a regional <laughs> i promise you they're lying and they just, just haven't probably put it together all the way yet but they have a team i promise don't listen to them <laughs> uh okay we're gonna go ahead and cut there Let's talk about the Toronto meta because we saw a huge shift uh, from Sacramento with Ogre Pond being dominant to no Ogre Ponds except two in the top uh, top eight. Yeah, so with that, I actually was thinking about this uh, sort of this week and I think it has to do with the meta being so heavily dependent, like re revolving around the water and the fire ogre ponds uh, that everyone went into Toronto building around how do I beat those things, right? Uh, and the two best ways to kind of beat those are with either an intimidate mon or a flying type to actually be able to do like super effective damage to them. Um, and so that that's why we saw multiple people using Salamence because you have a mon that can intimidate them as well as resist all their attacks and hit them for super effective. Uh, and I think that that line of thinking is also why we saw in the top eight, the only ogre ponds were the grass and the rock ogre ponds, because obviously teal mask, you have defiant to counter intimidate mons and the rock ogre pond can hit flying types for super effective with the Ivy cudgel. Uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of the teal mask one, so <laughs> I was super happy seeing it get up there. <laughs> we also saw a huge rise in Goldengo and Iron Bundle both, um, which likely is the response to Sacramento, where we saw like Kamoa Titar obviously win the event. So probably lots of people preparing for that combination. Yeah, Corpsey, you were at Sacramento and got to kind of witness that firsthand. Yeah, uh, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> were you shocked to see Kamoho like doing so well? 
You know, I'm going to be really honest. I had no idea anybody was going to even bring Kamo to the event. So just seeing it was very, very cool, especially after Squish had been running it and talking it up so much, like seeing it come yep. through to the event and then win the event was actually amazing. Um, the guy that piloted Michael Zhang also is insane. That guy is so cracked at the game. Um, I got to meet him and talk to him really, really briefly. Super nice dude, uh, but just an absolutely phenomenal pilot as well. Yeah, and I, I really feel like I, the one thing that did shock me going from Sacramento to Toronto, I kind of thought maybe we were going to see Chen Pao with Haze more to counter the buffs uh, or to counter the Intimidate drops, but we didn't see like any of that or Clear Smog coming back, which if you look back at previous metas, anytime there's been like a lot of setup or Intimidate, we've seen like the Haze and all that kind of stuff like be more prominent, but we didn't get any of that. So I would, as a Kamoa player myself, I would argue that the reason for that is that um, you're actually kind of just wasting a turn by going for that haze because, like, Chimpao just has such a disfavorable matchup into Kamoa anyway due to its, like, very high natural defense to begin with. So as, like, if you're playing into a Kamoa, it's actually much better if you can force it to Terra Steel with something like a Fluttermane or an Iron Bundle or a Goldengo even, uh, and then being able to hit it with a Sacred Sword that is now super effective and that's ignoring those defense boosts. So uh, yeah, I, I would argue that Sacred Sword is probably the better choice over Haze on Jimpao. What do you guys think we're going to see at LAIC here coming up? I believe it's in like two weeks. Uh, I'm pretty stoked for it. It's going to be so much fun to watch. Uh, but yeah, I have no clue what to really expect out of the meta. Yeah, that's kind of the crazy thing too, is like a lot of the Latin American players, they have such a crazy take on the meta and like how the game is played and everything else. Like they're so insanely good. And some of the teams that we saw that came out of last year's LAIC or even some of the regionals down there were like the uh, the big Orthworm team, I believe, originated from Brazil. So like just seeing some of the crazy innovations that come out of that region are really, really exciting to me. As far as like what speculation thing, to be honest, man, I really have no idea, to be fair. Like, they could be playing uh, regular Tornadus, hyper-offense type stuff. They could be playing really, really crazy off-the-wall balance. Um, but honestly, I'd like to see somebody use Politoed and make that work. I agree with you. I want to see Politoed get get up there, personally. <laughs> we haven't seen Rainwind since uh, OCIC, so... Uh, what about you, Squish? Any predictions for LAIC? Um, I mean, we saw a little bit of Roaring Moon at uh, Toronto. I think, I think it's really going to pop off soon. I think a lot of people are going to pick up Roaring Moon. Uh, being able to, like, I Dragon and Dark types are both very good right now. Uh, Psy Spam has been picking up a lot. People have been really trying to use it. Uh, we saw a big adaptation with like Gallade to hit any dark types, but uh, with Roaring Moon, people often run like Terra Flying Acrobatics, which can deal with fighting types. 
that it can be a dark type to be immune to size spam, but then also dragon type deals with Ogre Pond, as we've seen. So I think Roaring Moon is a very strong pick as well. Like knockoff, obviously, uh, as of regulation E is just such a huge buff for it. Oh, it's yeah, so knock- strong. Yeah, I ran into Sacramento. Just killing everything. <laughs> I would probably expect I think uh Dragon Dance is gonna be the preferred set rather than Tailwind. Do you I guys think we're agree. gonna see uh Hydreigon? Maybe? Hydreigon? I've no? seen it picking up in use here and there in some circles, but to be honest, I'm not sure if the world is ready for Hydreigon to make another appearance. <laughs> uh, it's certainly interesting, but I don't think it's quite fast enough. Um, we could maybe see it as like a Choice Scarf user, but that's just very limiting when you have Roaring Moon right there. Yeah. especially yeah, just when... a better pick. Mm-hmm. And also, especially when uh, the Hydreigon wants to go for, like, the bulk up strategy or, you know, get that really big critical hit boost off or whatever else. So, another big question for you guys. San Antonio, do you expect... What's your... What's your prediction as to what top player do you think is going to win San Antonio? Go ahead, Squish. You can take this one. (laughs) Top player that's going to win San Antonio. Uh, I'm not sure who's actually going. Um, But if I had to throw a name out there, I think... uh, Ragav uh, has been doing so phenomenally this season. Uh, they've been top cutting like every event so far. I think they're due for a win. Yeah, he's gotten top four. I want to say it or top eight at least at like every event this year almost. Like he's just been popping off and doing yeah. so good. And then at NAIC, he was did phenomenal too. So it's like. He's just been steadily like raising his level, and it's it's actually really cool to watch. Yeah, Ragab is a really prediction? phenomenal player. Um, my prediction, and it's not just because I'm fanboying a little bit, but it's going to be Gavin Michaels. He's also been doing really, really well. He beat both Squish and I yeah. at our events. Uh, not to throw you out under the bus there, Squish, but uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm a fan. I've been using his team since OCIC, and Guy is also just another, phenom- uh, excuse me, phenomenal player, so... Yeah, I, I find it really funny that we always beat Sempra but lose to Gavin Michaels. <laughs> yeah, I lost I lost my winning into him on day one. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, come on, Squish, you got this. <laughs> but we did get Ollie in day two in day two. Yeah. So let let's look on the bright side. Somebody from the Pokeball Club made it to day two. Uh my prediction for San Antonio is that we're going to get another Pokevolt Club member in day two. Probably not Miller. <laughs> <laughs> but somebody. <laughs> so we got the Indigo Disc DLC 
like j- just kind of dropped right into our lap like uh on the third like they were just like here you go here's the release date yeah and no trailer with it or anything uh so final question of the podcast what pokemon are you guys most looking forward to playing with again corpsey Oh, that's so tough. There's so many cool mons coming back. And then they're also introducing some new mons that we're going to be able to play with for the first time. So I'm not sure if this answer really counts, but uh, kind of Walking Wake, Iron Leaves, and whatever they called the other two, I don't remember, uh, the Raikou one, and if they're going to do an Entei one as well, like whatever that one's going to be called. Those are going to be really, really exciting, I think. Yeah, I, I'm personally excited for the uh, the Raikou one. I can't remember his name right though. Uh, Raging Bolt. <laughs> yeah, Raging yeah, there Bolt. we go. Uh, I'm also excited for Raging Bolt, but in terms of returning Pokemon, I've been talking this one up a bit. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be any good or not, but I'm excited to try it out. It's my boy Dugong. Oh, let's go. <laughs> I included Dugong in my most recent video yep. just because of you, and I mm-hmm. was looking at him and I was like, <laughs> He actually does have a, a little niche out there with like having fake out icy wind and like all this other tech. I'm like, he could actually be pretty decent. Like, and he's not that bad, like bulk wise. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, who thinks of Dugong? <laughs> all right, guys. So that is the end of the podcast. Up next, following this immediately after, will be Sticky's interview. Make sure to go subscribe to our youtube channel hit up our patreon (laughs) as corpsey points down (laughs) and uh yeah follow us on twitter as well the pokevolt page is popping off and we have a very very special announcement that will be coming out from the pokevolt club twitter page uh within the next month I promise it's going to be worth it. You're going to want to be following that page with what's about to uh, what's about to get announced. So thank you guys for watching, Corpsey. Thanks everybody again, Corpsey Boy VGC. Have a great night, everybody. Great day wherever you are, and uh, look forward to seeing everybody in Portland. Stick. Thank you up. for having me, uh, Squish VGC on Twitter. Make sure to like and subscribe. Hello everyone, my name is Torion, also known as Sticky VGC, and welcome to our second recording of The Sit Down, a new segment of the Pokevolt Club podcast where we'll sit down and chat with VGC players from all different backgrounds, hear their stories, and get their hot takes on the current and future VGC metas. To provide some context, I'm a second year VGC player out of Houston, Texas. I started my journey at Orlando in 2023, um, but you can check out more about my story over at the Pokevote Club podcast, where I co-host weekly episodes. Today, I'm sitting down with Technically Insane. I want to start by thanking you so much, Tech, for taking the time to sit down and talk to me today. How are you doing, boss? I'm doing uh, really good today, actually. I've been really looking forward to this podcast. Um, just It's such a nice operation you have here. The last episode was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, and it's, it's just a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you for the feedback. It is... Uh, it is something I'm super passionate about, and I'm hoping that you know we only grow every episode. Mm-hmm. I, it's the you just have like a natural like kind of flow. It's 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 a really really nice uh, podcast, and I'm super happy to be a part of it.
thank you. Well, let, less about me, more more about you, Tech. Uh, but let's let's hear let's hear a bit about your your VGC story. As far as our relationship goes, um, that that started off uh, in the Hoenn State Discord and Twitter. Yeah, like I feel like most VGC uh, stories <laughs> happen if you're not IRL friends. Um, so that's kind of where our history is. But tell me a little bit about your personal VGC history. So um, one thing I actually noticed is that we started the exact same event. We both um, started in Orlando 2023. That was my first event. Um, I I live in Orlando. So it was a really, really easy event. And it was really poetic as a start, almost like my pallet town. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But uh, I really started like playing during COVID. And because there was nothing to do. So what I did is I started playing casually with a uh, series 12 was around the time I started um, more like series 10. You remember the player cups that, uh, that the infam- infamous colossal strat kind of started to rise from, but um, I started playing in those uh, for fun because there was nothing better to do. Um, but I was actually inspired to play like at all by my grandma who um, for some reason decided to like play Pokemon with me just because she was nice like that, and it was like a thing that we both did at the same time uh, together. So we would battle, or she actually played through the story of Sword and Shield, which was kind of crazy to me. Um, so, you know, we just kind of played, and then one of our battles, she was like, you should make something out of this. I'm like, I could try, and that's what pushed me to do that first um, first Player's Cup, and ever since, I've, I've loved the, the scene so much. Um, yeah, and she's inspired me to she she inspired my core play style which is really really bulky like that was the thing that we both uh really liked when we both started um so yeah just from the beginning it's always been something i just kind of casually did um more as a hobby and since then it's grown to basically being like the core of my lifestyle which i i can't say i don't love if i can if i could tune in there that yeah. is an amazing story. You said that you got into VGC playing with your grandmother. That is very heartwarming. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And and she inspired your play style. Uh, if you don't mind mm-hmm. explaining that a little bit more to me, like maybe some of the teams. Mm-hmm. I'm sure our our listeners would be interested in some of the teams your, your VGC <laughs> grandma, grandma was used. playing. Yeah, that's super so dope. We there was a strategy that I was really, really fond of in series 10 where it was Grim Snarl Duraludon. That was, that was the first team I ever built for VGC ever. Um, Duraludon with assault vest behind screens. Um, it was just so bulky and I felt like my Pokemon were invincible and I could just do chip damage over time. And, um, my grandma played something super similar with things like, um, like the same two, uh, her favorite Pokemon was Grim Snarl. So, um, but that remains to be one of my favorites whenever I use a Grim Snarl in any cap- facet of the way I, I name it after her. But um, like it, from the beginning, it's always been either something like screens or recovery or something like that. Man, that is, that is, su- that <laughs> yeah. is awesome. Uh, that is awesome. You, that is an amazing story. Definitely unique. I have not heard, I've heard a couple of VGC stories now. That one, that one's definitely unique. I love yeah. that story. Harping back a little bit to the beginning of what you said. So we started our journeys at the same time in Orlando. Mm-hmm. What a what an event that was. I feel like for somebody, Crazy. and I, it's really awesome to talk to um, talk to you today, and we're able to kind of go back and forth about 
how Orlando was because I feel like for a brand new VGC player, what an event to really be introduced to the scene. Yeah, the biggest had, regional in Pokemon history, which we, is we were just, awesome. just, yeah, just a few players off of hitting one of the largest kickers in a while where top 256 were going to be getting points. Yeah. Where, and, and that was, I, I was really unaware of how huge that was at the time when they announced it and we were 12 players off in the booze just came raining in from all directions. Yeah, and, and I was, I was like, like, what? What's happening? What's, what's happening? Yeah, why is everybody here? Sure. And luckily enough, I had a very veteran uh, VDC player by the name of Jen sitting across from me, and he was able to explain it to me. Um, but again, with that many players and the form and the, uh, excuse me, the way in which tournaments were being held at the time, we still had the lunch break and we still had rounds based off attendance. So I think we played, Orlando was the last one that had a lunch break, actually. Yes, exactly. So that and that was also the last one that we had the rounds based off attendance. All the rounds after mm-hmm. from now on, then it was all always nine rounds. But mm-hmm. that day we played ten rounds. If I'm correct, or was it eleven? It was did. ten. It was ten. It was yeah. ten rounds, and it, and so it went day. all day long with the hour lunch break built in. I mean, we got there it at seven thirty. Yeah, it was. Ooh, what a long day. We, we left uh, at 8 p.m. I remember that slog of a drive home because I was with a, a group of friends and it was just, we were all like so zoned out out of our minds. We were like, we just played Pokemon for 11 hours. And I never want to look at this game again. And then a few months later, I went to Charlotte. So clearly I still like the game. <laughs> clearly, clearly you got big bit by the bug. Yeah, for well, real. Well, t- tell me a little bit about your uh, Orlando experience coming from uh, a fresh perspective and uh, playing the game. What, what, um, let's start with what, what type of team did you play? Um, so I'm going to get a lot of hate for this in, in, uh, in general. I played Garganackle Stall. Um, Oh, we're the oh we're the, the we're, oh we're we're meant to hang out together. I played Armadillo. Okay, did you we're okay. We're, oh, okay, we're okay, okay, okay. Oh. <laughs> we're good, we're good. <laughs> we're, we're the checks and balances of the VGC community. Too slow, Garganak will stall you out. Too fast, Armorish and Didi will punish you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was playing uh, Garganak will stall with King Gambit Balance in the back, and it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I shiny hunted my whole team, um, so I got hack checked because shinies. But um, the, the playing with Garganacle was just something I wish was still good because Garganacle was one of my favorite mon I played with like ever, um, in my Pokemon experience because it's just it has so many tools. I I mostly liked it because of the wide guard because Torkoal was everywhere at the time, um, but at the time my biggest team building partner is a uh, was Reikina. Uh We still build together all the time. She's awesome. She's a player in the Chinese bracket. Uh, yeah, um, very very familiar. She's on one mm-hmm. of our Discord servers. Very very talented mm-hmm. player. So uh, before the tournament, she was sending me all these really crazy spreads. She's like, you should run this on your King Gambit. I promise it will be good. Um, and that King Gambit carried most of my games. Um, it was Terra Flying, and that was like a meta call at the time that was kind of not super duper popular because most of the time they were Terra Fire at the time um, to dodge burn. But I went Terra uh, Flying Lumberry. And it was a really, really interesting team that also had Gastrodon on it The with the infamous nickname Fidel Gastro that I decided to name it. Um, I don't know. It was it just spoke to me in a dream. I was like, that's the I'm bringing Gastrodon just so I can show off that nickname. Um, but it did it did a lot of work. I ran Covert Cloak on it. So opposing Garganacle stall couldn't stall it um, and uh, just had stuff like Iron Hands. 
uh, flutter in the back, and it was a, uh, it was a great time. It was a great fun team, and I I think that if I had the opportunity to play it again in a meta where it was still viable, I would play it. That's that's great to hear. I I definitely uh, can hark back to that where my my Orlando team was a lot more fun to play. In hindsight, mm-hmm. uh, I tried to play it the other day, and I was like, "Yeah, this was I'm I was a bad builder. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was a bad yeah, builder, was, but man, but ignorance was bliss. Exactly ignorance was bliss was, in Orlando. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like when I looked back and I, and I was like, okay, what about my Orlando self? Why did I decide that Sharp Beak Talonflame was the play? I, man, oh man, it was I ran man. I ran offensive Talonflame, which was never supposed to happen. Um, but it was it was a really really fun team. Um, it was like I don't know what it was because I always used to run like really really off the wall teams, and then Charlotte happened, and I'm like, nope, I'm running meta for the rest of my life. But like, with some weird tools on it because I don't know what it is, but playing something slightly off meta has always been what I'm, what I'm most comfortable with. Yeah, that's super that's super dope. I definitely can um, relate to you in that sense at times. I've had to mm-hmm. center myself a little bit and get to some of these more meta mons because you will be punished playing off meta all the time. Yeah. But I definitely can can relate to you with that. Well, I mean, on top of we kind of discussed a little bit about mons that we played in mm-hmm. Orlando. Orlando was also very crazy because of the overnight change. Where we we had uh, no yeah. no we had no paradox mons and then in the morning we had Fluttermane and little did we yeah. know what type of Terra Fluttermane uh, would would rain on on VGC that great day. Uh, any any interesting stories from your side as far as encounters with paradox mon on that first day? Me myself, mm-hmm. I uh, had very limited knowledge about VGC and. Orlando, the Orlando trip was really a spur of the moment with a team and a dream just to have fun and yeah. see if if I thought Pokemon was even going to be something that I was going to stick with or yeah. yeah or if it was just going to be like me completing a bucket list like hey I get to say I competed yeah right uh, um, so head, when yeah. headlong rush smacked me in in round five uh I my head spun around and I had to look directly at my friend and say. Can what is what was headlong rush? I don't even I didn't even know what the move headlong rush was. I just got hit with something and my whole team fell apart. <laughs> um, yeah. any, do you have any type of stories like that you want to share? <laughs> kind of, but it was more on my side where I was running like the the duo that is the paradox duo. I feel like in VGC and will remain to be like the duo you think of, which is Flutterman Iron Hands. Um, because I was running, I was running like a standard-ish Iron Hands where it was Assault Vest with a Fake Out 3 attack, but the typical Heavy Slam or Volt Switch slot that they typically hold, I was running Ice Punch because I, I did not think about Flutter Main at all and being an issue for my team because I had that Gambit. Um, so I decided to go Ice Punch, which won me games because in, uh, I think it was round six, I faced a Serialedge, predicted a Terra Grass, and then uh, got a crit on the Ice Punch to one-hit KO um in a, in a game three so that was um that was influential to my run but the other thing that i thought was uh like interesting is that i ran my first ever tournament i ran um trick room in prison on my flutter main which was wow. um something i thought was a little bit yeah, gimmicky wow. but i thought that 
because Trick Room is something I didn't necessarily want to play against all the time, that it would be a cool tool. And if they were running Tailwind, I had the opportunity to click Trick Room for myself and then let my Iron Hands kind of rule the day. So I thought that um, playing more of more supportive Flutter, which um, I tested out Taunt over in prison at times, but um, it was definitely geared towards being really, really bulky and then uh, supportive. Wow. I mean, it's always fun to, to look back with hindsight and kind of see how, you, how you've grown as a player, um, even over a short period of time in which we've been playing Mons. I mean, yeah, I talk about it like it was a long time ago, but we're in October. It's less than a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> less than a few year ago. Yeah. Yeah. You, you would never guess that it was just right right that long ago. Um, mm-hmm. So we've, we've kind of talked about our first experiences in the in the community and in, in the in the highs and the lows, uh, Armandidi did get me through as as, much, as many times as Headlong Rush hit me. Armandidi, you know, got me through a lot of games, and Armandidi has a special place in my heart after that event for sure. Um, yeah. Fast forwarding, fast forwarding a little bit into the into the future, how do you feel like your VGC play has fared now that you've had a little mm-hmm. bit of time to grow? Uh, I know you've really been active in the, in the community as far as on the on the content side. Um, mm-hmm. doing a lot of tours, playing in a lot of tours, uh, looking to get into some more events here. We both attended NAIC in the last season. Uh, yeah, we both, we, that was, uh, uh, a crazy event in itself. Uh, what, what do you, what do you feel like as a player is mm-hmm. the biggest growth for you since Orlando? So I'm the kind of person that, um, it, it's not about necessarily, being the best it's about being better than i was yesterday um and i feel like going from just the the thought process i had behind this game from orlando to today is such a huge jump um because i remember how i thought about the game being very linear and now my thought about the game is almost more like 4d chess where i'm like this could happen this could happen there's so many possibilities um as as i think you as you play the game more kind of busts open like the real world of vgc where after your first room you're like yeah i'll bring six mons that are probably going to be good together and then see how i do and then you really dig into the team building aspect and you're like wow there's so many possibilities ev spreads or something i have to think about all that kind of stuff and now i've gotten to a point where team building was once a really big struggle for me to where i can throw a team together in 15 minutes take it on showdown ladder and be like i'm i like this and just kind of tech around it i think that my biggest improvement overall though definitely was in um like just straight up gameplay um like thinking necessarily not about the outcome of the turn but um how you're supposed to get there like you can say oh i want iron hands my opponent's iron hands dead that turn but you have to really think about how am i accomplishing that is there a way i can do that so I started making some crazy plays like um, I was running Amoongus at the tournament as well. And um, there was a lot of Intimidate with the Arcanines back then, I'm sure you know, because it was yeah. awful for my for my Iron Hands running self. So I, ha- I made some plays where I was in Trick Room, so my Amoongus was faster than my Iron Hands. So I wait, I let them come switch in on the Intimidate. I clear smog my own Iron Hands to reset the Intimidate, and then um, I'm able to pick up KOs I shouldn't. And it's, it's kind of just thinking about the game in more about a meth like a method of getting to your hoped result versus like the want like the result you're wanting because um if you don't think about it in the kind of a zigzag path of like versus linearly it 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 really you i noticed i struggled when i thought about it more of like oh i'm gonna hit things and i'm gonna do fine 
um especially in a doubles because i did play singles back in sun and moon um and then i i was so bad at it i was like i don't understand why i'm so bad at this and then i doubles immediately clicked with me i'm like yeah that's what i'm playing for forever and i think that main reason is because both of your pokemon on the field can interact with each other it's not just your two pokemon versus their two pokemon uh, your two pokemon have that special interaction where you can like i said earlier like my playstyle has always been um something behind screens or recovery so having the understanding that your pokemon can support each other directly with stuff like that clear smog play or that's why i love the move lunar blessing i'm a huge Cresselia fan right now um cress uh, hands is my beloved um <laughs> chris hands enjoy <laughs> myself you know For real, it's so good it's so good and it's just, it's always been something like that where my two Pokemon can mesh together and figuring out more effective ways to like let my two Pokemon tackle the opponents as a team versus two separate entities as I think it was where my play went from okay to what I would say is above average where I'm at right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, I, I would definitely... I can relate to 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 that for sure. And something for me that was a big deal was uh, something that comes with you know you we sit with ourselves more than anybody else. That's something that we said on the last episode for sure. And so, uh, un, unlike other sports where you have uh, one game a week, you, you know, po- Pokemon players can tend to stack things up on themselves. So, you know, when yeah, I was I was getting into a like- very we we're obsessive. I was getting into a very obsessive habit of playing multiple like sets, like intense sets and and limitless tours. And I'm like, where's the practice? Where's just like the analyzing, the sitting down and just like watch, like watching things. I went from I I, I thought just because I had watched enough Cybertron videos and learned how to play that I didn't need to watch anymore. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's that was a, a, a total the the totally wrong mindset of I, I didn't know anything so I still did not know anything about Pokemon. So I, I really did have to kinda uh level myself and get back to like, hey, I don't really know anything. Soak everything up, watch everything, and there's no reason to come straight home and hop right into the best of three ladder. <laughs> and just yeah, like and, and just run myself mad. I've noticed personally for me, like the thing I love about VGC so much is that there's always another mountain to climb. You could you could win the world championships, and the next year you can say, I, there's, I can still become a better player. Th- that's For what sure. I think is so magical about this, is that it's, it feels like one of the few, like specifically esports, that you, you can never truly be the best that there ever was. There's always going to be the, the next person to hit number one on ladder, the next person to win that Limitless Tour. There's always another goal in mind um becoming better dv spreads uh being a better team builder being a better just player like there's so many different moving parts of vgc that i think that i i could work with this for the rest of my life it's i enjoy it so much it's a it's a lot of fun i mean you got to take the highs with the lows but both of them are beautiful when you really step back and think Mm -hmm. about it um well with the current meta uh while we're currently recording uh this will be the end of day one of Sacramento, it will. It will be the end of day one. We've seen some. T- we've see- we've been able to see a couple teams play. Excuse me for not being able to do a full breakdown. I'm sure they'll do that on the main episode of the podcast. Uh, I had a local myself today, so we were just kind of 
talking to each other about things as they were happening. Uh, but the teams that we saw today, we, we saw a really centralized top, tw- uh, top 12. Uh, a lot of people were saying that on Twitter. They felt like that the top 12 was a little bit centralized. Um, we had multiple 30% usage mods. The top 4% had very high percent usage. Uh, another yeah, another week of no... 50%, which is crazy. Yeah, another week of, of, of Lando and Hands raining back-to-back at 1 and 2 and no Flutter main down at 3. Look, it's... Uh, and we and we've seen Don Dozo. Don Dozo had a great performance today. Yeah, one thing that I think that is something about this meta that um, I really really like is not necessarily that I don't think it's super centralized because the way that I think about it is that you can argue, yeah, every, every other team mathematically has a Landorus, but Landorus is such a flexible Pokemon. No two Landorus are going to be the same. Oh, this is a, a scarf set to beat. Uh, specifically Fluttermane. Oh, this one's specifically tech to, like, 1v1 Iron Hands. This is a clear amulet to beat the double Intimidate teams. This is um, Covert Cloak to bypass Fake Out. It's such a awesome mon. I, just this last two weeks, I have cycled through, I think, five different Landorus sets on my team that I think that the actual Pokemon you're using are super not necessarily important to how they're, they perform it's the difference in the sets because I I've played iron hands so differently many times I've played Landorus different many times flutters a surprisingly flexible Pokemon. When you look at its supportive toolkit with things like icy wind and taunt, and then you have um, water pond, which I think is one of the most awesome Pokemon introduced in the teal mask. I think it's so flexible. It could be a more defensive kind of sweeper. It can be a setup sweeper. It can be a uh, redirector it's an awesome Pokemon, and I, I don't think I'm ever going to go back to not using it. It's it's Urshifu too, and I'm, I'm I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, I, I hey, it is the new toy syndrome is at an all time high with Ogre Pond, and it's rightfully yeah. so. There's so many great ways to use it, and we've already seen a little bit of multiple ways that it's being used. And I definitely uh, love the way that you explained that. I think that there's always a different way to look at the way the meta is at the moment, and as much as you can argue that it's very centralized, uh, we also then have uh, things like the Weezing team that not only uh, Neil happened to win on a PC, but Alex Underhill performed very well with that Weezing team today. And mm-hmm. then we had Don Dozo uh, actually have a great performance today for day one, which last last event at Peoria, we only saw uh, one or two scatter in the, the very end of day two. So it's very interesting to see uh, th- how the meta is always shifting and just how little pieces like Ogre Pond can can make things dramatically like change. For sure. And, and then and then the same the same time where people do all this extra advanced tech and they're trying to find ways to use the new toys. There's there's just those classic people who go, "I'm just gonna lead Fluttermane Chi you, <laughs> and let's see what you do." <laughs> I'm not gonna say that's my go-to game plan on ladder, but it's my go-to game plan on ladder. Um, it's, it's, it's a good so, plan. It's just so strong. It's so strong. It's a good um, plan. Yeah. <laughs> the Crest fish, hands, the fish is good. Flutter on the same team. It's 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 natural progression. Natural progression. <sighs> I love it. I love it. Well, we. You talked about um I did remember you saying that Grimstraw happened to be your, your grandmother's favorite mon, so that was something mm-hmm. that you you had a real connection with. Are there any other mons 
that are just your favorite or you have a specific connection to? I have a lot of mon that are like that because um, back in Sword and Shield, I did a lot of crazy team building. Like Gengar is my personal favorite Pokemon. I have an entire shrine dedicated to it less than five feet from me. Um, it's my favorite Pokemon. Um, but I think that one Pokemon I have a really, really weird connection with is um, Dracozolt. Um, back in Sword and Shield, I built a hard trick room Dracozolt team um, with one of my friends, uh, Ike. He's a newer player on the scene. He uh, sadly doesn't get to play much anymore, but uh, when we play, it's just such a great time. And uh, the idea was Dracozolt hits insanely hard with uh, uh, Dynamax with plus life orb plus hustle. It was hitting things like a truck. It was like two-shotting uh, Dynamax Groudon at the same time as um, setting up electric terrain for something like Lunal that doesn't want to go to sleep or boosting its special defense. So it doesn't have, it could take dark pulses just a little bit better. Um, it's, it's, that was one of my favorite mods I've ever built with. But I think that like right after the series 12, which is what I played with that, um, the other Pokemon that I started to build a relationship with happened during Spike Myth, which remains to be my favorite Pokemon format that I've ever played. Um, while it's not an official format, that's it a is a hot take. That is a hot, yeah. hey, that's it's a, hot a very take. hot take. It's a very hot take, but I think it is my most enjoyed format. I ran um, Entei Naganadel as a core, um, and Entei happens to be one of my favorite VGC mon ever because of that. Um, with AV, Stomping Tantrum, Sacred Fire, Extreme Speed, it's it's kind of like a mixture between Heatran and Dragonite nowadays is how I ran it. Um, and with Naganadel, you were picking up things that it couldn't quite pick up, and then you had Tapulele on the team as well to chip at things. Um, it was such an awesome, like, mon to work with. Um, but I've always found myself, like, attaching to one Pokemon and saying, you're going on every team this format. And that's how I've always built. In Series 12, for me, that was Whimsicott. In, um, Spike Myth, for me, that was Entei or Naganadel. Um, for right now, it's Iron Hands. That has been on every team I've ever brought to an event in Scarlet and Violet. And I don't think, I don't think that's going to change. Um... The way that people main characters in uh, FPS games like Overwatch, I main Pokemon. I it's just the truth. I hey, I totally, I totally agree with you. That is not that one is, is not not so much a hot take as the as the spike the take the spike was. Part, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with you there. No, uh, for sure. I, like on the last episode, I had grew a, an unreasonable just obsession with slapping Screamtail on teams in reg c and it got to the point where i was running the house Greamtail next to a a ting lu that was fast enough to outspeed iron hands which was the only thing that i was worried about <laughs> uh hitting me at the time and i just got to howl earthquake whatever i <laughs> whatever i wanted and that was uh i would probably say outside of armandidi that was my first real obsession with mm -hmm. building and playing with a mon that I was building with, I think Armandidi is a great was a great archetype for me to get into because, uh, I think it's it, I, they don't, people with, don't talk about it. It is truly so versatile because you you don't have to lead that, and then you can throw somebody off. You can just lead the Indidi. It, it's genuinely a versatile archetype if you're playing it correctly. 
Yeah, and I think the the main issue for me was that I was having a hard time seeing board state, and I was having a hard time even just to be honest. I I didn't have a I'm a Pokemon fan, but it wasn't like I was playing singles every year up until up until then. So there were sometimes I was playing and I was scratching my head, going, "I forgot that that was super effective," because I was I was having I was having to, to you know knock the dust off my brain and start playing Pokemon again. I'm not like a full time yeah. Nuzlocke player or anything, so that was. Definitely something that uh, no, I definitely feel uh, just that. playing Armandini matches allowed me to really uh, learn the game again. Yeah. And and it'd be simple, very simplistic. Hey, get into this position. These are the ways that you can, can, get, into, can get into this part of the board state. And this is where it gets really bad. <laughs> See, that's and one so, way that um, I think that is such a perfect segue to being a Chris Hands enjoyer works is because they're both super rely, rely reliant on really good positioning um if if you can position crest hands well you straight up win if you can position armors and dd well you straight up win like that that's the the bottom line of both archetypes and hey that's a great right? way to explain that i definitely yeah. didn't didn't think about it like that at all but that's no that's a great that's a great mm-hmm. way to explain that and and so coming off of the arm and dd and just kind of that's something that I gravitated to with Trick Room. Screamtoe was, it was just so. It, it's, it's a very I was, I was, versatile one. I, I was just yeah, I was just up at like one thirty in the morning on Showdown, and I had the move set open, and I was like, talking to my friends like, have y'all ever like just opened up Screamtoe's move like move set on like move list on Showdown? Just looked at it so like really look at man. it. It's so deep. Like, I'm like it's so ridiculously deep, and so I had built. I was building teams every week with a new type of scream tail. I was so determined to find the best scream tail. I was changing mm-hmm. spreads. I was it was the obsession was ridiculous. But at the end of the day, it, it was it was a part of my progression as a player for sure, and specifically team building because it stopped me from being so like one dimensional uh, with your team. One dimensional, like, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And 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 because I was able to get decent results with it at a local, it really you know, gave me that confidence to go, well, yeah, no, there's things that I, that I know that I'm doing right. And, mm-hmm. and there's going to be some things that I slap my face with, like, uh, Oh, there's a lot yeah. of teams that, that there's a lot of moms that I've slapped on teams that I've, yeah. I've, they've sat in the Pokeball discord and it's been crickets. And I'm like, it's not a cook. And, and <laughs> I got to take, take it off the with, screen with the scream tail choice in specific. I think that, um, like I, I completely vibe with that because like it's one of Screamtail's most awesome tools is having two different forms of speed control. It has access to Trick Room and it has access to Thunder Wave, which I think are both tools it can absolutely utilize. Maybe even on the same spread uh, set, which has always been something I really love is um bringing a team or just a speed control mod that has options to set up two different types of speed control. Um, back in Series Twelve, I was running. Uh, Trick Room and Tailwind on my Whimsicott. Now I'm running Icy Wind and uh, Trick Room on my Cresselia. It is something about being able to say, oh, you produced the Trick Room, but now I'm faster than you anyway is just so, so fun to me. It's about mind games, man. Oh my yeah, God. It's the mind games are the best. The mind games are the oh, best. Oh yeah. Well, Hart, we just kind of picked your brain a little bit about some Mons you like slapping in the, in the team builders, some things that have been a little closer to your heart. Uh, definitely, I know coming up, there were some 
uh, more specific VGC players that I gravitated to watching and gravitated to listening to their commentary? Mm-hmm. Were there any specific players that you kind of gravitated to? Are there any players that you feel like you really enjoy watching their specific play style? 100%. I think Joseph Hugart is one of the most enjoyable players to watch play the game. Just Not even just his gameplay, but his the, re, the way he reacts to things. It's, it's just so enjoyable. And he also seems like such a nice guy. And I have like a kind of personal-ish story with uh, Joseph Ugar. It's not really a story, but um, my first first ever event in Orlando, round one, I sit down at my table and um, I, I'm, I don't know any of these people sitting around me, right? And um, so I, I play my game and um where i'm i look up going into my game three and i see this guy confident as ever pick up a ticket from my table one seat next to me and just hand it in and seem he seemed so chill and relaxed and knowing what he was doing and i turned to like i was asking my opponent do you know who that guy is and he's like yeah that's joseph ugart he's one of like the craziest players and I'm like i'm gonna have to look into his content and that inspired me when i got home to go look into it and he became one of my favorite VGC players Um, just because the air of confidence about him as he stood up and uh, like, regardless of win or lose, he seemed like he would have gotten something out of that set. And um, I I really, really admired that in that moment being my first game of competitive Pokemon ever. I think that it was like a really, really cool, like small experience um, with that specific creator. Yeah, no, that's definitely I, I, I love that love that story for sure. Joe, Joe, you is an amazing, amazing player. Definitely beloved in the community and performs. Uh, you know, every chance he gets. Uh, you know, this is the we are recording on day one, mm-hmm. and Joe, you had a slow start today and, and didn't let that get down to him. I really think that some players should really look at look at his performance today and, and analyze it and see how you know he he started off 0-2 today and and yeah he. Pulled it back, and pulled it back, and and that's that's something that not a lot of players are able to do, and that's a, a seasoned veteran doing something like that is something that should really inspire some of these newer players like mm-hmm. you and I. That uh, it 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 can things can get rough. There's there's things that are gonna happen, and your ability to to reset your mindset and and get get to the next game is is really the most important. Yeah, because... I I. Uh, um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no problem. Go ahead. Because of the way that like Joseph Hugart, like I've seen some of his streams. I think he he makes plays like the rest of us. He makes teams like the rest of us. But the thing that sets him apart is that confidence about him. Like he will make a hard read and be like, "I know this is going to happen," and he gets it right, and that pushes him so far ahead. And um, like that confidence of knowing, getting in your opponent's head, knowing what you're doing, that is what I think makes him such a strong player. And I I, I cannot explain how much I admire that. Um, yeah, it's it's I it is I think one of the most fundamental tools of becoming a good Pokemon player is knowing like when to read protects and all that kind of stuff, um, being confident in knowing what you're doing. Yeah, for for sure, I I definitely agree with you that and the sense of confidence. I had that same interaction with a Trick Room player by the name of Jin. He was, uh, it was my first regional event game, and I was, you know, he sitting across from him. It wasn't uh, you know it it was intimidating. Like he, he seemed like he was a very good player, but it was, it was so interesting to just watch his level of, of confidence after he played me to see it from the other side and watch him play throughout the day. And later on, I watched it. I would, I got into watching him on Twitch 
and his confidence in pressing his moves. And he was playing Armandini. Mm-hmm. And that le- led me to watching Tom and, and it getting into Tom Hayden. And Tom Tom is another – is Such another. Nice oh, my God. It's just another um, character in himself. He's so, he's so amazing. He's always smiling. He's he, – I've never met really, a more energetic Pokemon player. I'll say that much. Ne- that's the type of energy that I hope that I can carry at all times. And it's great that at times Tom just brings that into the room with his energy. So those are definitely two players myself personally that uh, I try to, I try to watch closely and, and want to behave a little bit more like, because I really like what both of those players do outside of, you know, all the amazing players that we have that I watch uh, Joshua Lorsi, Justin Tang, uh, really huge Sempra fan. Um, uh, sh- shout out uh, Tim Bits, Olivia. She's she's Olivia's gonna do great. O- yeah, Olivia, I actually uh, met Olivia like at the beginning of uh, Orlando, um, and we had we we followed each other on Twitter, so we we had a little bit of a conversation, and we kind of hung out a, a lot of the in and outs of the day. And um, such an uh, amazing person, so so nice to talk to. Um, and you know, introduced me to one of my biggest VGC friends right now, um, Nintendo Ghost on Twitter or Anthony Sable, the best Dragapult player I know, one hundred percent. I've never seen him not bring Dragapult. We're, like he lives not too far away from me, so we um, we crash locals together all the time. Anytime there's a local, we know we're going, and uh, it's it's always a great time with him. My my biggest VGC memory ever was against um, Anthony Sable where um like we were doing a practice game before orlando um like before our game one and he was actually running ditto at orlando so our first our turn one board position was three iron hands on the field and then my lonely little gastrodon and i it was one of the funniest screenshots that i have playing this game and it's such a little memorable moment because they were all shiny iron hands it was it was a masterpiece of imagery where it was just the behemoth that is the iron hands and the little goofy slug. I don't know. I just something about that spoke to me in that moment. I'm like, yes, the, this goofy reason is why I need to keep playing this game. That's a great, that's a great event story. That's a great event story. Yeah. Well, with that being said, are there any events uh, here coming up in the future that we should be looking forward to you to attend? Is there anything that you're looking forward to me personally? We have San Antonio here coming up in Texas. Mm-hmm. And last year I was so adamant that I wished uh, the the South had a little bit more representation outside of just Orlando. We have so, so much this year, man! Oh my God, it's yeah. our year. Is there is there any events that you'll be going to soon, or is there anything that you're excited for locals, anything like that? Obviously, I'm excited for Orlando because it's happening again. Um, I'm trying my best to make it to San Antonio. It looks like I'm probably not going to be able to make it, but if I can, it would be awesome. Um, I, I'm definitely trying to make it to NAIC. I think that one's definitely possibly in the books, but. Um, if you, if I, if I'm going to any, if any event, it's definitely Orlando, um, and, and Charlotte, those two are probably my definites for this year. Um, and I will be bringing something crazy bulky. Um, I'm also looking forward to the uh, Florida local scene because there's a lot of really cool people around here. Um, we have some people like Freezy down here, Brady Smith, um, out of, some randomness I didn't know. Adam Doricott hits my locals. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. And um, it, it's such a nice little group Florida VGC is. I wish we had more. 
because uh for how many players we have out here we really don't have enough locals um i've met so many of my current team building friends through these locals and um the local i went to not too long ago um i was running a kind of like a prototype of the team i'm running now and um it was a really disheartening experience because i got completely walled out of top cut by luck which was really 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 rough for me um because like from an experience where you're like i've grown so much in the past year why am I doing so bad right now? Um, there was a moment of where the person I lost to, um, I think it was round four, came up to me and was like, you know, so I don't, like, I, I noticed you were looking a little bit down. I just want you to know that you've been the only person to beat me all day. And I that, that really lifted my spirits. And I was like, that that's crazy. Um, he was running such a cool team with a Chen Knight plus Gudra, which is a really interesting combo that I couldn't even begin to dig into like the intricacies of how that worked, but it was such so beautifully played by him and he went on to win the, the thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm super proud of how that team played out in his hands. It, it was so cool. It's just the, the diversity in, in Florida locals is unlike any other event and events I've been to. And um, I'm really just looking forward to the rest of uh, the Florida scene this year, mostly. That's exciting. That's exciting. I can't wait. To, to see you at some future events here soon. Uh, I definitely think NAIC myself will be a possibility. Well, possibility. It's locked in. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go <laughs> yeah, with the or not. It's right there. But Orlando is something that I – it is a, a hope. Uh, it was really meaningful as a memory for me. to, to We drove there from Texas. We, did, we played that huge event. Um, and I was so fresh to the scene that I really – I really would like to go back this season and just kind of replay it and see how things would go uh, now that I'm definitely a lot more mature in my Mm -hmm. VGC career. That being said, um, is there any advice that you could pass on to, well, I'm sure you've, you, you heard the last episode, but this is the part of the, the, episode where I would like to open the floor up to you for advice. And mm-hmm. I would like to ask, is there any advice that you'd like to pass on to newer VGC players or players currently in a rut now? I, I can comfortably yes. say I'm, I'm kind of feeling a little bit in a, in a rut myself. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been playing a little, I've been playing Crest Hands lately. Uh, I felt really comfortable with the team that I've been, been given by my friends and I've been working on shout out squish VGC. That's my guy forever, forever. But uh, I I went to my local today, and it was one of those days where the, it really felt like the game just doesn't let you play. Mm-hmm. I know uh, my, exactly my what first, you mean. My, my first round opponent was uh, a world's competitor by the name of Zeke. Shout out Zekrom Zeke. Uh, he is a Houston player. He participated at Worlds. He's a great player, and he showed me he every you know every time we play he he shows me what a world's competitor play is like. Where just this week he pressured me with this ogre pawn and immediately saw that I panicked. And then the next game just led flutter to you and blew and blew through my yeah, team. Yeah. That, that is and, uh, the beauty of that three ogre pawn flutter yeah. to you. It's so silly. And, and uh, then the next game I, I, the, I played another flutter to you and the, the to you didn't miss a single heat wave snarl. Uh, the dark pulse flinched. Uh, the the moon blast drop special attack off the flutter main everything that you could not wish for happened and and 
it was a little rough. Um, so yeah. I could, I, this is, I'm definitely looking forward to this part of the conversation today. Cause yeah. me, even me myself could use a little bit of advice. My biggest advice specifically for like players just trying to get into the scene is don't be pressured to build your own teams. That's what friends are for. Steal their teams. Um, don't feel bad about stealing teams. You have to start somewhere. Um, VGC pace is a great place to get a starting team. The only way you're going to learn how to team build is knowing what team you want to build. And the only way to know what team you want to build is to figure out your play style. And you're not going to be able to figure out your play style without a team. So I think that my biggest thing, steel teams, steel teams, 100% steel teams. Um, there's so many good resources out there for it. And then you, the first step to team building is just tweak that team. And as you kind of understand why the tweaks that you're making are necessary, that's when you can start to kind of dip your toes into team building. Um, and then also just don't let your head get down ever. Um, you you could lose an entire event. You can go 9 and you will still get so much valuable game information from each game. You will get so much out of a, You arguably get more information out of a loss than you do a win. So I would say, you know, take your victories and internalize take your victories and internalize them, obviously, but take your losses just as um they're just as important. And take it to like renew some of your spreads to make them more effective for your game plan, or make sure your team composition is you know cohesive enough. There's no reason you should be bogged down by a loss because it teaches you so much about the team you're using, the way that you play the game. There's so much value in every outcome of a game. I think that, like, personally, one of my um, go-to friends that I play the game with, uh, he has a really big problem with, uh, with like, discouragement after a loss, where um, he we grew at a lo- the same local I was talking about earlier, and he had an 0-3 drop. Um, and if, I guarantee you, if he would have played those last three games... Um, that team, he would have a lot more insight on how to continue fixing that team um, for the next event. Like that next three hours of you suffering through using a team you know doesn't work shows you why it doesn't work and then lets you fix it. You can't fix a problem that you, if you don't know where it is. And I think that figuring out where those holes are is fundamentally the basic starting point of how you should start team building is pointing out those holes. And... Um, you, you have to start by criticizing yourself in, in the sense that you don't care that you lost. You care that I can make this better and I will. I, I, I love that. I love that. I, I really appreciate you for sharing that wisdom with us today, boss. And just some insight. Every I feel like everybody has something they can share. Pokemon's one of those beautiful communities where you can learn something from everybody. So 100%. thank you for... Thank you for sharing that with us. I really appreciate that. And again, thank you for taking the time to sit down and, and talk with talk with me, Tech. I know we don't get as much time to chop it up and we will have to do that more often. Oh yeah, 100%. Uh, hopefully, hopefully on some more on some more episodes here in the future. But for now, um that looks like that'll be all for the second recording here of the sit down. I'm your host, Sticky VGC, and I want to thank everyone uh, that stopped by and listened today. Be sure to tune in weekly at the Pokeboat podcast where you can get new podcasts and new episodes of the sit down um if you or anyone you know would like to talk to 
me, sit down, chat, talk about Mons, hang out. Uh, please email me at the Pokevolt Club at gmail.com. You can get at me directly at JustStickyVGC or join the Pokevolt Club at Pokevolt Club at, uh, on X, on Twitter, however you like to address the platform. Uh, our link is right in there. You can join in there and just at me right in the general. I'm super easy to reach out. Um, thank you for sitting with us, Tech. It was a We're pleasure. Out. Peace.